Dr. Doolittle had rabbits in the pantry, white mice in his piano, a squirrel in the lizard planet, and a hedgehog in the cellar. And he lived on sixpence a year. Hi, today we're going to be talking about the voyages of Dr. Doolittle. We started our first episode with a cold open. I think it's a bold move. Maybe we should introduce ourselves now. Okay. Hi, I'm Ursula. And I'm Catherine. I'm Ursula's mum. And we're going to call this podcast... Books Are Back. Books Are Back. And uh, let's tell you a little bit about what we want to do with our podcast. Um, What we're going to do is Ursula is going to read books that I enjoyed when I was a child. And our agreement is I won't read them. Uh, She'll be in charge of reporting whether the books are in fact any good or whether I have... Lost her memory a bit. Whether I've misremembered what they were about. So I've chosen, first of all, The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle by Hugh Lofting, which I remember as being a really very remarkable story. Um, I don't remember much of the plot, but I remember um, that there was a very magical section where Dr. Doolittle stuck a pin in an, an atlas and went wherever it was showing. And I remember that there's something about a pink snail so Ursula will tell us a bit more about the story and I'm going to ask her also um, about some of the other reasons I chose the book um, a, bit later. a bit later. So Ursula, what is this book about? Well, The Voyages of Dr Doolittle are about Dr John Doolittle, the most famous animal doctor in the United Kingdom and Tommy Stubbins. Now, Tommy Stubbins is the son of a shoemaker and he finds an injured squirrel and he takes it to Dr. Doolittle and and asks Dr. Doolittle if he can help. And then Tommy, Timmy, decided that he wanted to become the doctor's assistant. And so the doctor said yes and Timmy now works as the doctor's assistant. And he's learned to speak with animals like the doctor. And do they stick a pin in an atlas and go wherever the pin um, shows? So, yes. A few days after Timmy's parents decide that that's okay and he can join Dr. Doolittle, they decide that it's time to go on another adventure. And so, Dr. Doolittle lets Timmy... Um, put a pin in an atlas and Timmy says what if we land on on Antarctica? Do we have to go there? And Dr. Doolittle says don't worry I've already been to Antarctica and the rules say you don't need to go anywhere you've already been. So that's fine. And they land on Spider Monkey Island. Now you look as though that's quite exciting. Is It, it a cool island? Yes, it floats. I do remember that. The, it's hollow, is that right? Yeah. It's hollow. It fell off a mountain in Peru, and so it now floats around. And floats around in the sea? Yeah. Excellent. So, did you enjoy it? It was literally the best book you've ever recommended for me. Very cool. How good for our first episode. What did you like about it? Um, it was just... It could take room in the real world and 
it's just really fun. So it's not a magical type fantasy book? No. Also, the Doctor must have some magical quality, doesn't he? No, he just started to talk to Polynesia. That's his parrot. And then um, he started getting lessons from her. So she taught him to speak to other animals? Yes. How can she do animals that? Animals can all speak to each other. Can they? No, I didn't know that. I don't remember that. So the parrot teaches him other animal languages? Yeah, I, I sort of figured that out. Because in theory, we never get told that. But it's, he says, she gave me my first lessons. So. Excellent. So you enjoyed it? It was really good. Now, one thing we've agreed to do, um, because obviously you know more about this book than I do now, is to test my recollection with a short quiz. Have you got some questions? Yes, I do. So, question one. Once arriving on Spider-Monkey Island, they meet Long Arrow, the most famous and best natural historian to have ever walked the planet. Now, he is the son of what, Arrow? I'm going to go with Green Arrow. No, I'll tell you the answer at the end. (laughs) Question two. What is the name of the doctor's housekeeper? Tip. It's a duck. I do know this one. The duck is called Dab Dab. Correct, Aminio. What is the name of the hermit that they rescue from court by talking to his dog about what really happened the night he was said to murder someone? Tip, it's someone, the hermit. I don't remember this part at all. Does this, does this take place in um, Puddleby on the Marsh or does this take place in Spider Monkey Island? Puddleby on the Marsh. Um, Colin the Hermit. <laughs> no. Okay. The answer to question one was Long Arrow, son of Golden Arrow. Golden Arrow. The answer to question two was, as you knew, Dab Dab. And the answer to question three was... Look the Hermit! Look the Hermit. What else would a hermit be called? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now, I feel I have to ask, what did happen the night that the hermit was said to have murdered someone? He was working in a mine with two others, and, what, and he was hauling one of them up, and this was the guy who accidentally killed in a bucket, and the other guy was going to try and kill him with the gun. And so his dog bit him so that he would notice and he let go of the rope. That's a bit scary. And so the, the dog understood all that? Yes. And the doctor told Gore? Yes. That's a very cool story. I don't remember that part at all. So um, the next part of any podcast, I think, is a shout out. To our sponsor. Shout out to our sponsor, Ruth Daniel. The best friend we've ever had. Or one of them. So, Ruth has kindly sponsored this podcast, which has helped us to buy a microphone. Um, Ruth doesn't have anything to promote. 
she's just a great patron of the arts. Um, so another reason, Ursula, that I chose this book was that there is a film in cinemas at the moment of Doctor Doolittle, and we went to see it last weekend. What did you think? I thought that it was really good, but there were a few things I'd like to disname about it. Disname? Dis. Oh, dis. <laughs> what would you diss about the new Doctor Doolittle movie? Firstly, Polynesia is called Polly. Secondly, Chi-Chi the monkey is a gorilla. And thirdly, Jip the dog is made to look really, really old and useless. So you felt the characters weren't quite the same as in the book? Yeah. What about the character of the Doctor? Um, I thought that the guy who plays it... That's Robert Downey Jr. I thought that Robert Downey Jr. was really good in the role. He did the talking with animals bit really well. But what I didn't like is the fact that he wasn't chubby because it specifically states in the book that the Doctor is quite tubby in the tummy. Is that mentioned in the books? I thought you said it was just in the drawings. Oh, no, it's mentioned in the It's mentioned in the text as well. So I was interested um, with the character of Doolittle as played by Robert Downey Jr. Because I felt it wasn't quite as I remembered in the stories. See what you think. Um, I felt that Dr. Doolittle was a character who was really quite straight-laced in other aspects of his life. It was just he had this obsession with talking to animals. So he really, when he goes on his adventures, he's a little bit like a bank manager abroad. Whereas Robert Downey Jr. seemed to bring a really eccentric, wild character to the screen. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know if this is just because they wanted to create a new character for the movie. But what I didn't like is that Dr. Doolittle had lost someone and he shut himself off from the human world. Because the real Doctor would never do that. I found a really interesting piece of writing about the character of Dr. Doolittle when I was doing some research about Hugh Lofting. And this comes from an introduction um, that was written for um, the tense printing of Hugh Lofting's first story of Dr. Doolittle. And I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. Okay. So the introduction was written by Hugh Walpole, who was a novelist who wrote stories for adults. And he said, When you read a little further, you will discover that the Doctor is not merely a peg on whom to hang exciting and various adventures, but that he is himself a man of original and lively character. He's a very kindly, generous man, and anyone who has ever written stories will know that it's much more difficult to make kindly, generous characters interesting than unkindly and mean ones. But Doolittle is interesting. It's not only that he is quaint, but that he is wise and knows what he's about. The reader, however young, who meets him, gets very soon a sense that if he were in trouble, not necessarily medical trouble, he would go to Doolittle and ask his advice about it. Doolittle seems to extend his hand from the page and grasp that of his reader, and I can see him going down the centuries a kind of pied piper with thousands of children at his heels. But not only is he a darling and alive and credible, but his creator has always managed to invest everybody else in the book with the same kind of life. That rang really true for me. Yeah. Over the 30 years since I read the book. What do you think? 
I think that that's incredibly like it. And I'd also, that sort of, that reminded me of something. Because when the doctor returns from his journey, he, I find this really funny, he gets greeted by two ducks, which dabbed up of scent, to say, the doctor is to come home right now and he's to collect a pound of sausages and some sugar on his way home. And um, as soon as he gets home, a thousand animals are there to try and get his help or to see him. All waiting for him to come home from his voyages. And so can I guess what he does? Does he go and sit down and have a big rest after his voyages or does he immediately roll up his sleeves and get going with the big queue? He does this. Roll! Roll! Do, 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 do. And he just gets going dealing with the queue. Is that right? Yeah. That's a great detail showing his character. What do you think about what Hugh Walpole said about it may being more difficult to make kindly, generous characters interesting? Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, even in the fiction I've been reading lately, so I've been reading Ruby Redfort, um, Sherlock Holmes and Harry Potter, and the main characters are all kind at heart, but get really grumpy sometimes, or mean, or angry. And the Doctor never gets like that. Do you think other authors are using that grumpiness to make their characters interest? Yes. Also, um, that's another part of the movie. The Doctor does get angry in that. That's true. He does. I read a book recently where the main character was um, kind and generous, and it really struck me um, that... No, it wasn't you. (laughs) (laughs) I saw what you did there. It really struck me that it was an unusual book. It was well-written, and the character is interesting. The book is called um, A Gentleman in Moscow. I know that one. um, Well, I really enjoyed it. I was talking about it a lot when I was reading it. And um, I was struck at how unusual it was to read a book centred on a person who's simply a a good man. Would you like to find out a little more about what I found out about Hugh Lofting? while you were reading The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle. What? what? Yes, we would. We love you, Mum. I'm not sure what you're trying to signal to me by doing that. Are you trying to signal we should start again? No! I'm trying to signal... I'm trying answering your rhetorical question. Well, I only found out a few simple things um, about him, but um, some of the interesting points I noticed were that Hugh Lofting did travel um, about the world quite a lot. Uh, do you think that comes through in his book? Not really. I, I'd have always thought it would be like Tintin, where he never went to any of the places he wrote about before he wrote about them. Well, that's interesting. So he was born in England, but he went to university in America to train as an engineer. Puddleby on the Marsh? I don't think he did come from Puddleby on the Marsh, Ursula, no. Um, but he went to MIT um, in America to study engineering, and then he went prospecting and surveying in Canada, and then he went to Lagos in West Africa to work on a railway, and then finally he went to Cuba to do more railway work in, um, in Havana. 
So it's interesting you don't think that that comes through in his writing, that he had real experience of that. And the other interesting thing um, about the origin of the stories, and I think we've heard this with other children's authors, were that they came from letters that he wrote to his own children. But he was writing these letters home from the trenches in the First World War. Oh, he fought in the First World War. He I fought, didn't know that. He fought in the First World War, and he didn't want to write to his children about what was happening um, in his life at that time, so he wrote to them instead about... Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Um, and then the first book was published in 1920, just after the war, and it wasn't the one that you've just read. It was called The Story of Dr. Doolittle. And from what I know about it, it's maybe aimed at slightly younger children, but it's not the one I read when I was growing up. You I read, read this one. The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle, which was the second book. And one thing I remember about reading it was I was very satisfied when I'd finished and I went and told my parents about my great achievement because I thought it was a very long book. What did you think, Ursula? Do you think it's very long? <laughs> no, but children's fiction has got longer. Is that right? Yes. I mean, my books are like this size. So, in a little detail for radio there, what are you doing? <laughs> Holding your hands out wider than the spine of the voyages of Dr. Exactly. <laughs> Let's have a look and see how many pages it has. It's got 265 pages in the paperback edition. Um, and you were saying you didn't find that a long read. No. I was impressed because um, the chapters are divided into part one, part two, part three. There are six parts and there are ten or so chapters in some of them. And you and thought... I thought I'd done a great job. Whoa, I've read <laughs> six parts of us book. I did. I thought I'd done a great job reading it. So now, my mum doesn't know this, I did some background reading and I dug into our cupboards and I got out some other Dr. Doolittle books and I've been reading Dr. Doolittle Zoo and if you enjoy this book, so you get it and you read it, that's the one that comes next. It's really good. It's all about how Dr. Doolittle turns his zoo into an animal village and all the mice and the crossbreed dogs and the badgers and the foxes all get to live together in a lovely, happy town. It's really nice. Well, my next question was going to be, would you read any other Doctor Doolittle books? And it turns out you already have. I'm going to read them all. This is my new project. Exciting. But what's the book for next week's podcast? Tell me! Would you like to find out? We really would. We really would! Okay. Everyone wants to know what you're reading next, Ursula. And the answer is, I've got you this copy, which is my own childhood copy of Ordinary Jack by Helen Cresswell. Now, as far as I know, um, this is still in print. So it should be easy for you guys to get if you enjoy our next podcast. So if anyone would like to read it in advance of the next podcast, it is... A mere 218 pages long. I don't remember it being particularly lengthy when I read it. Um, and you can tune in next week to find out what Ursula thought. On that issue of publication, um, Dr. Doolittle books are still in print. Some of them have been re-edited by his son, Christopher, to take out... Um, the rudeness of Polynesia. She's very mean to the people on Spider-Monkey Island. 
she is. She's um, not a very polite parrot, and um, some of the language she uses would be thought of today as um, very racist. So um, Christopher Lofting has changed some of that so that his father's books can still be read and enjoyed today. And I'm sure the, book, the film will give them a bit of a boost. Well, thanks very much for telling me about that book, Ursula, um, and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. What do you do when you are the only ordinary member of a talented family? We'll, we'll come and to that. even your dog. We'll come to that next week. If you want to learn more about this, tune in next week. So that's all we have to say about um, The Voices of Dr Doolittle. Uh, we're recording our next episode shortly. Since this is our first one, <laughs> you will be able to listen to the next one straight away, just under this one. And remember, you can find us anytime at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Thanks for that, Ursula. That is a correct thing to say on a podcast. Let's go get some dinner. Bye.